All right, welcome back to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez, and I'm here with Marty Griffin and John Downing, and we're going to give you a little quarantine recap of the past few weeks in sports. Hey, boys, how are we doing today? Good, 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 good. Kind of bored at home. <laughs> it's a little different. Johnny, you'd be so pissed, but I played quarantine, six feet of space, Jenga in a driveway with two other people tonight. Wow. Hey, social distancing, my friend. Social That's distancing. Right. That's right. We're, hey, hey, we, we all step back as we uh, pulled a piece. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is an interesting time to be recording a sports podcast as there are almost no sports happening, certainly none in America. Um, Johnny, are, are you doing okay, bud? Not really. No, not really. So what was it, like two days ago, I was, I was really sad. And then yesterday I was mad. Oh, stages now, of grief. Yeah, seriously. And then now today I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I feel like a hom- <laughs> I feel like a homeless person, like living in my house. You know, me with a home. You know, I just feel like I'm no pur- <laughs> with the home. <laughs> but you know, I have no purpose. I, I have nothing. You know what I mean? Like I just, I feel like I'm a useless piece of shit right now. <laughs> wow, there's there's a lot of understatements in that whole thing right there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to touch that one, but uh, Marty, yeah. Marty, how are you holding up with uh, with no sports? Uh, I've been diving into a lot of binging on Netflix and Amazon for sure. I just watched the uh, Christian Leitner 30 for 30, which is one of my favorites. And I watched Dennis Rodman last night. So I've been watching a lot of sports-related stuff. But yeah, uh, I watched a cool couple of uh, marble racing events on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I've been uh, I've been thinking about taking video of my dogs fighting and uh, y- you know put a, put a little Michael Vick action. Uh, I was about to say there. Michael Vick is not walking <laughs> through that door. Hey, I'll place a wager. <laughs> I'm, I'm I got the itch. Yeah, yeah. I just no I just watched that I just watched that thirty for thirty two or three nights ago. Huh. How was that? I have that on record, but I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I'm a little taken aback at ESPN's approach of it because even though I know this man has redeemed himself mm-hmm. there's just this hot there's just high value of him as an athlete and I thought there'd be a little bit more of, of just you know them coming against him about for what he did they just I understand I understand the in the black community and that black culture of dog fighting and, and growing up and not knowing what's right or wrong but when you're a high-paid athlete being paid by million, millions and millions of dollars of sponsorships, I think you should fucking educate yourself quick. Uh, I, I was just, I, I was just a little uneasy about the whole thirty for thirty about that, how they portrayed him. Hmm. I, uh, I've been speaking of thirty for thirty. I have been watching the OJ Made in America. So good. Oh man, that it won a Oscar, and I, yeah. I can see why. Yeah. Just the way they interweave the the whole history around uh, race and the LAPD and, and that oh, yeah. whole thing, um, it really makes sense why it unfolded the way it did. And looking back on that time, I was, um, you know, six years old, and Jesus. my. 
<laughs> my yeah, sorry to make you feel old there. And as and my, my freshman as my freshman year of college. <laughs> and my mom was a big court TV person, and so we watched uh that was like the original reality TV, right? Oh, and, absolutely. And and so we were watching the whole trial throughout the whole thing. And, you know, I, of course, I, di- I didn't understand a lot of it. But my mom was uh, – she grew up in, in Buffalo and was a fervent OJ supporter. And, you know, as they break the whole thing down, he he's a real piece of shit. And <laughs> – <laughs> um, Oh, absolutely. But, but you didn't know at the time. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. Like, and, I was that douchebag white boy walking around Waco, Texas with an O.J. Simpson shirt on. I bought it at the same head shop where I got my four-foot bong my freshman year. <laughs> Free OJ. Like, I was that asshole. I'm the, same, I'm the same type of fucking kid now in college that's sitting down in, at a fucking beach in Florida right now with 3,000 people wandering around and jaunting around and touching everybody. Yeah, of course you are. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. No, I mean, I'm just, I mean, that's how relevant. I mean, you're just so disconnected. To the yeah. actual facts and events of the situation that you're walking around some, you know, urban kid, you know, in Waco, Texas, wearing an O.J. Simpson shirt, thinking you're the coolest thing in the world. But the guy just murdered a woman cold blood. Yeah. And and a man. Man, let's, man. let's give Ron Goldman his due. Yeah. In due time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll get back to our um, coronavirus talk uh, in a little bit. Let's get into our. Uh, number 51's guys who wants to go first I'll go first Ichiro Sasuke <laughs> born 1973 brilliant baseball player defied a lot of odds in my mind uh, coming through the league overall batting average of 353 over 1200 hits 118 home runs uh, 529 batted in 199 stolen bases uh, played the majority of his career, 2001 to 2012, with Seattle Mariners, uh, short stint with the Yankees, Marlins, and back to the Mariners, basically do that proverbial, like you that basically that, that little run to, to retire his jersey with the Mariners. And that was the Mariners do that with their players. They, yeah, they, exactly. They bring them back for a have, that's all they have to hold on to, Johnny. Right. <laughs> 2019, uh, seven-time All-Star. Um, Japan uh, Series champion 1996, Pacific League MVP, seven-time Gold Glove Award winner. Uh, one of the craziest players in my mind. I can go on with some more um, uh, highlights and awards, but I could go on and on. But it's just crazy, that slapstick kind of batting style just to put the ball in play. The man just knew how to get on base. He, he Defensively, he was, he was great. Not the greatest, but he was great. Um, but definitely somebody should be acknowledged when you're talking about 51. Um, I don't think I, I, I even mentioned a 10-time th- Gold Glove Award winner as well. Uh, Major League record, 262 hits in a single se- season. So uh, my 51, Ichiro Sarazuki. Yeah, he's also kind of been the gateway for all the Japanese players and uh, now also Korean players coming over as well. And now, like, we have Otani. So... While I didn't really like Ichiro while he played, I never really, you know, I appreciated his game, but I never really liked him or liked his style of play. I am thankful for some of the guys that have come over, and especially Otani, because I love Otani. Showtime is the real deal. Well, I believe, like, if you found, like, two or three more players to to complete a team like that, you could redefine the game in some ways, Johnny. 
especially uh, National League, if you wanted to play small ball and just kind of mm-hmm. and work it with a great pitching staff, like he definitely just knew how to put the ball in play and, and stretch plays. I mean, it, it defined. He wasn't that exciting player. He wasn't. I mean, obviously, he wasn't out there talkative and just flamboyant. But he he definitely. He was not going to be to win over, you know, your American heart, but definitely got the guy was incredible. He never learned English. So yeah. and I think that's part of the issue. You know, a lot of foreigners come to this country and, you know, over, within a few years, they've they've tried to learn English so they can, you know, become friends and talk to the media and get their personality get out sponsorships there. and stuff right, like but that. He yeah. was always through a translator and just like never bothered to even try to learn English. So, which is fine. That's, that's his right, but it's also my right to not be a fan of his. So sure. Very true. You usually so easy to win over anyway. So easy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll go next. Uh, I'm going to do, uh, another Steeler surprise, surprise. One of the guys from the Super Bowl run, uh, that happened in my lifetime. I'm going to do James Ferrier. American football linebacker, 15 seasons in the National Football League, played college football for the University of Virginia, started his uh, career with the New York Jets, although um, when they drafted him in 1997, eighth overall pick, uh, although they had him playing uh, outside linebacker, a little bit of a miscast there. In 2001, he did have a breakout season, but... His career really exploded once he got uh, to the Steelers in 2003 and became a little bit of a defensive juggernaut. Uh, Sacks, interceptions, almost uh, 100 tackles every year. Uh, Finished behind Ed Reed for NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 2003. And the uh, AFC Divisional Playoff game against the Indianapolis Colts, uh, he recorded 10 tackles and uh, a couple sacks, finished the season that year with 119 tackles and a Super Bowl ring. Uh, Not half bad. Also won, of course, another Super Bowl with the Steelers. He was a two-time Pro Bowler in 2004-2008. He was the Pittsburgh Steelers MVP in 2004 and is in the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. Ooh, good for him. Finished his career uh, with 1,412 tackles, 35 and a half sacks, 11 interceptions, 18 forced fumbles. Um, also uh, graduated with a bachelor's degree in psychology. So good for him. James Ferry. Well earned. <laughs> <laughs> I share the same degree. It has not gotten me very far, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, you want to take us out on uh, 51? Yeah, the final 51 for episode 51 is Randall David Johnson, born September 10th, 1963, also known as the Big Unit, American former professional baseball pitcher who played 22 years from 1988 to 2009. Uh, mostly played for the uh, Seattle Mariners and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, 303 career victories rank him as the fifth most by a left-handed pitcher in Major League history. 4,875 strikeouts put him second all-time behind Nolan Ryan and also the most by a left-handed pitcher. He has five of the seven highest single-season strikeout totals by a left-hander in modern history. Randy Johnson won the Cy Young Award five times. 
second only to Roger Clemens is seven. And he's one of only two pitchers, the other being Greg Maddox, to win the Cy Young four in four consecutive seasons from 99 to 2002. In 1999, he joined Pedro Martinez and Gaylord Perry in the rare feat of winning the award in both the American and the National League, a feat since accomplished by Clemens, Roy Halladay, and Max Scherzer. Also one of five pitchers to pitch no-hitters in both leagues. On May 18, 2004, at the age of 40, Johnson became the oldest pitcher in Major League history to throw a perfect game and is one of seven pitchers who have thrown both a perfect game and a no-hitter in their careers. He is also one of 18 pitchers in history to record a win against all 30 MLB teams. On May 8, 2001, Randy Johnson achieved the feat of striking out 20 batters in one game, doing so against the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, career win-loss record of 303 wins, 166 losses, career ERA of 3.29, um, World Series champion in 2001, 10-time All-Star, World Series MVP in 2001 with the D-backs, Pitching Triple Crown in 2002, four-time ERA leader, nine-time strikeout leader, and uh, he's in the Arizona Diamondbacks Hall of Fame and the Seattle Mariners Hall of Fame. He was inducted to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2015 with 97.3% of the votes on his first ballot. That's my 51. Big unit, Randy Johnson. Can we make an agreement from here on out when we talk about Roger Clemens and we tell our listeners now we'll never say his name again and just refer to him as Shit biscuit. I like Roger Clemens. He was Are my you idol serious? Yeah, I think I talked about this. Growing <laughs> growing up, he was what he was my like favorite player growing up. I grew up, you know, oh, just please. just outside of Boston, and turned into such a shit biscuit though. It, it, from the first time he showed up in 1984, I was six years old until 1996 when he left. I was 18 years old, and I remember yeah, I played baseball right. during then. I, I wanted I was a I, guess, I guess that's more relevant for you. For I wanted to Boston be fan. just like Roger Clemens, and when he left, this is relevant. When he left in '96 and went to Toronto, and they didn't resign him. I was crushed. I was crushed. Yeah. And I haven't been crushed since then until yesterday by Tom Brady. Ooh, you're not throwing bets in that in that mix? What do you mean? It's being crushed, just like a, a franchise letting go of what could potentially I know I know he was not given the time to be the all time great or one of the greatest for the Red Sox. He was on on the fast train to be that player and be that franchise face. But that that was a pretty big letdown for you right there. That's a big dip, letdown for Boston. That's two big hits, and we'll get into that eventually about uh, TB12. But I mean, that was I mean, it, Boston, a lot of talent sport, Boston, in Boston. Yeah, Boston sports is rolling as far as like the, the letting down of fans right now. They 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 mm-hmm. have more. I feel like they have more room in this bus to keep letting people down. Yeah, yeah, and now uh, I mean, I guess we'll get into it at some point. But yeah, yeah, I'm, but uh, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty, I, I, I pretty hurt. I apologize, dude. I didn't put it in relevance as far as time period and growing up and in influence, but I, oh, Roger Clemens, what a piece of shit. Well, once he mind. became a Yankee, you know, once he became yeah. a Yankee, that was like, oh, man, then he really kind of turned into a scumbag, you know? Right. But, you know, time has passed and old wounds heal, and he's since made up with the Red Sox, and he's like, does, he's on some of their game broadcasts every now and then. Right. And, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, he was one of my growing up he- childhood heroes. So, I know what you're going to talk about, Nesto. You're talking about one of your favorite memories. Just go ahead and bring that up. I think everybody knows. Oh man, just the uh, when Randy Johnson 
lets the ball go and smokes a bird in midair. Oh and, yeah, and it just fucking explodes there. I I, yeah. I mean you know Peter people be damned, but it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a great fucking baseball moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just my my second favorite is the All Star game when John Crock uh, yeah. puts his helmet on backwards to taunt him. And the guy did not let up and still fired a 98-mile-an-hour fastball over his head during an All-Star game. It just shows how difficult or how or how tough it must have been to be in the box against this massive, beast, like, gangly, left-handed pitcher who's kind of threw from the side. And just he threw gas, too. It must have been just so scary to be in the box having it. Especially and he was an, a left-handed hitter. Well, he was an angry, fragile man. I mean, he the the New York experiment did not welcome him at all. I mean, he failed in, in my mind. The media ate him up. Mm-hmm. That was just too much for him coming out of Arizona after all his success. And to deal with that and all that pressure to be successful, he faltered hard. It, it basically put a little black, a little bit of a black eye on his career. An amazing career by that as far as like who he was as a competitor in, in some ways. Yeah, he never won he, they never won the big game in New York with Randy Johnson. Nope. So those are our 51s and guys, I got to say 20 minutes in, I'm kind of digging this quarantine podcasting uh, situation we got going on. This is the first time we've ever done this remote podcasting. Uh, I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> That's my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm in a baby pool of jello right now. Nobody knows. So obviously the coronavirus has completely inundated every portion of every person on this earth at this moment's life. And sports is no no exception. Can we can we think of any event, um, maybe 9-11, but can we think of any event that has had such far-reaching implications uh, as what we're experiencing now. No, I, because I, not in my lifetime. Nine eleven, baseball came back like you know the next week, and football skipped a week, and you know, and then but even going back to World War Two, they played baseball during World well, War Two. They, they said we need baseball. They need something right. for America to rally around. Like the World Series. It wasn't played, a threat. You know? It wasn't a threat on homeland to society. Nine eleven had its hit uh, there, but nothing to a massive scale of people not not being able to come together socially and support each other. That's the biggest hit. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what happened during the 1918 Spanish flu. I mean, <laughs> there was baseball. The, so I don't know. I don't know if they played or what. I don't, I don't the know. Stanley, the Stanley Cup was canceled. Right. Didn't the Canadians win? I remember hearing something about a Canadians player had it or something. I don't, I don't know. But they uh, – they, no, I think they actually – they might have been at that point uh, in like the finals or something. I mean, there were six teams back then, so yeah. it wasn't hard to get to the fight. Well, it uh, didn't take a long time to get to the finals. Uh, I just but think, I, but yeah. I think they were in the finals and they shut they shut it down. They didn't award a cup that year. Oh, it's just hard to think about, and I, I you know, in on any scale of sports and in the inability to compete, but for the timing around March Madness and for some of these seniors and some of these programs like Rutgers who hasn't been in it forever and to not get a chance to showcase yourself in the tournament and some of these seniors and some of these seniors who need to make a last minute bid to up their draft stock and protect their futures and and things of that nature I, I just on the college level I think that's don't think about finances and, and what it means to the NBA and 
in Major League Baseball, but just from an aspect of a future and protecting yourself and what you put your time in for 18, 19, 20 years for some of these kids in college. It's just, it's just horrific in my mind, and it's unfortunate. Did you see uh, Florida, the government in Florida, awarded Florida State uh, their national champions, apparently? Yeah. What? Yeah, they had a um, they got together their Florida State Congress or Senate or whatever they all got together during this crisis and awarded the Florida State Seminoles who were ranked like what four or five or six in the country. They yeah. awarded them a national a national championship, which of course is not going to happen. Any any chance they hang a banner? No, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It's just bizarre, like, you know, of all the things you could be doing as uh, our for the Florida state government, you're discussing making sure that the Florida State Seminoles get their national championship. That sounds like an Onion article. Yeah. It's just, it's like a bad, weird play just to recognize your your team. Uh, maybe you're doing, in your mind, you're doing something great for those players, but it just looks bad on a large I'm sure... Scale. They don't want it, you know. They didn't, you know. You, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's got to be the oddest feeling for anybody to accept the trophy in their conference to win that and not feel like you fully earned it. Right, and there's a rumor that was going around right after the NHL season ended that said, you know, the t- if the NHL playoffs get canceled and the rest of the season gets canceled, the team that has the most points at the time gets awarded the Stanley Cup. So you got all these Bruins fans going around saying, oh, we're Stanley Cup champions. If that ever happened, the Bruins wouldn't even accept that. The players, it, it, it would yeah, never be wanna, accepted. You what a big, what a big, con- Johnny, just think about what a big controversy if you celebrate that and drink from the cup after coming out of the COVID experiment, too. Like, Sherry, oh, God, I know. One of the, nasty, one of the nastiest <laughs> trophies in the fucking world. Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah, the cup the the virus is going to go through after the cup. different protocols. Only, only, a, oh, only no. a vet can, could survive such a thing. My God. <laughs> but if the NHL season gets canceled, that's a bummer because the Bruins, you know. They were on a roll. They're, they're looking good, but you still have to get through the tournament. But they would have been well, the number one overall seed. Yeah. I, I mean, Tampa Bay is a big, you know, yeah. example of like, don't don't judge a regular season by its cover, like what you get into, mm-hmm. into the playoffs. And, all, and also, NHL has a very notorious President's Trophy, which is the, the first uh, place at, uh, of the regular season. Very notorious President's Trophy curse. The um, Bruins have been they almost uh, never... they've experienced that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nobody will understand that one of the biggest letdowns was uh, D3 League uh, Brattleboro Basketball, Brattleboro Subaru coming in as the sixth seed, winning their first round against the two seed on their uh, way to glorious victory just to be let up and cancel the season. Did you get kicked out of that game, Marty? No, not that one. I, hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> that guy had it coming to him hard. <laughs> so bad. But my last game, I will brag for my old ass. I had five points, Johnny, in the first half. Second half, we came back and won. I had 27 points in the second half. Wow. Ooh, you got on a Steph Curry-like heater, huh? I uh, Yeah, made made five threes in the second half. You're like Willie Nelson. Yeah. It just takes like six songs to get the old yeah. fingers loose up. I was like Frank the Tank in old school. I was like, did I black out right there? What happened? <laughs> All right. So uh, tr- transitioning into a little NBA talk here from the coronavirus, let's talk about Mr. What's his name? Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Johnny's favorite. Why is he what? my favorite? 
because he's he's completely opposite of that. Oh, okay. Slay this man. (laughs) What a fucking asshole. I think of the great 80s song, Reach Out and Touch Me. That's just what you want to play for him. All right, so just just for a little bit of context, Johnny, tell us about Rudy Gobert and his shenanigans. Okay, so uh, Rudy Gobert, the Utah Jazz were on a road trip. And they went to cities like Detroit, uh, New York, Madison Square Garden, Boston, and two other cities. I can't remember what. And then uh, so Monday, wherever they were, not this past Monday, but the Oklahoma Monday, Monday before. No, no, that wasn't the day. That, oh, that, okay. No. So it was a Monday. And after the game, they had a press conference with the Rudy Gobert had a press conference with the reporters. And at this point, the coronavirus was kind of a thing. And so they were saying to the reporters and the press to stay at least six feet away from the players. So the player, you know, is at his table with all the recording devices and microphones on the table so that they can get the sound that they need. But the reporters had to stay six feet away because they didn't want the players to get sick from the reporters. And uh, Rudy Gobert finishes his press conference, gets up, and he goes and thinks it's funny to proceed to touch every single one of the microphones and recording devices from all the reporters and you know all the reporters are like, like kind of laughing like what the hell are you doing you know, and he, he's just joking you know that oh you know i don't really know what he was thinking but he just said he was joking and touching all the devices and that's on monday so fast forward to the game wednesday where utah is in oklahoma city playing the thunder and the game's about to start. Right before the game, Rudy Gobert is listed as questionable. And it's about an hour before the game. And you know, they say, oh, now he's going to play. And then they say he's not going to play. And then all of a sudden, right before the game is about to tip off, the, one of the trainers for the team comes running out to the court. And he says, stop the game. Stop the game. Uh, kind of a very wild, crazy scene. And they... They reveal that it's been um, Rudy Gobert's tested positive for the coronavirus, and so that, that was the thing that kicked off all the cancellations of the NBA season and then all the other sports seasons following following that incident. So Rudy Gobert, I guess he was also in his lock in the locker room in the days preceding that game, was joking around with his teammates, you know, about having coronavirus and you know, touching their stuff in their lockers and touching the players. And, you know, so all the players after the game was canceled for the Jazz had to get tested. Thankfully, the only other one who tested positive was Donovan Mitchell, but I hear he's extremely unhappy with Rudy Gobert, as I'm sure the rest of the Utah Jazz are. You know, I don't know. They haven't mentioned if any of the reporters have gotten sick from Rudy Gobert, but Gobert didn't start feeling ill until that Wednesday. So he was asymptomatic when he passed along. And also, uh, Donovan Mitchell gave it to a kid from Rhode Island when he was in Boston the Friday before signing an autograph for a kid. So these guys could have been contagious or could have gotten it at least a week before he actually tested positive on that Wednesday. So he was asymptomatic for a while. Uh, he's going. Rudy Gobert since apologized for the incident, but uh, just kind yeah. of a scary thing and that's tipped off the whole coronavirus kind of madness so we got we got kd and we got what they, i guess they're speculating that there's four other players for the nets who have it they haven't been yeah. listed as as to who um 
I mean, he, I guess he, Kyrie because I think Kyrie and KD are in a relationship. <laughs> Attached at the penis. <laughs> I mean, there is some serious love there. Maybe. The way Maybe. they look at it. Well, the way Kyrie looks at KD, I mean. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's always looking up at the better, better player to carry his weight. And that's it. Uh, yeah, that's it. But yeah, oh, he, he acts like a schoolgirl around KD. <laughs> So I, what, do you, I guess, what do you think, guys? What are the odds that the season comes back this year, or is this just a lost season? For NBA, I know they're still focused on the aspect of June, and there's been considerations of a mock tournament of taking where the seedings are now at the 9, maybe even considering up to 10 at that point and giving the first two teams a buy. There's been all these speculations of how to make this work. And, and try to get this where the first round might be the best out of three and then turns the second round best out of five, and then you have two final rounds of the best out of seven. But to think that June it's going to happen, I, I think it's pretty far-fetched, honestly, at this point. If, if we're still even you know, a week and a half out of, of pushing into to April and some cities are still considering closing down to a 24 hour status. I don't think we're anywhere out of the dark anytime soon, as far as large sports gatherings as a whole, mm-hmm. well, maybe, they- may- maybe they would consider, you know, non fans. Yes. So uh, they have, yeah, that, that is an option. And the other thing that the, the first piece of like actual good news about the sports leagues, I, I would say is came today because the, Korea Basketball League is about to start up and they're getting their Amer- the American players that they have on their teams back. And so they're about to start back up any day now. So we're talking about two months for that league. Two months top for them. Down. So but I, but I did John, hear but that. Johnny, you're talking about a nation who took this shit a lot seriously as, than as America has so far. China did? I, 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 I don't know that China did. No, yeah. they did because everybody, yeah. every you know, you do what you're fucking told in China. Yeah, but it took them a while to acknowledge it. You know what I mean? It, they did denied it and kept it on the DL, and they tried to silence the the first doctor. Um, yeah, but here they, in America, you got fucking knuckleheads between the ages of sixteen to twenty four on TikTok licking fucking every random thing in the world. Oh my god, I know. Oh my god, this I must be died. a very difficult time for Brad Marchand. Holy <laughs> cow! I, the coronavirus challenge, Corona. <laughs> That oh, is well played, Nesto. What is wrong <laughs> also, with people? Also, Tony Romo getting fucking paid. Speaking of Corona, yeah, right. Johnny, what what's uh, what's Romo standing to make here? Seventeen, seventeen a year, and then if he can make it, is it three years? If he then he gets a ten year extension. I don't know all the details. I just saw seventeen. I don't. I don't really usually follow announcers' contracts. Well, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's on a ridiculous level. It's why I wanted to bring it up, though, because when in the history of announcing have we cared about their contracts? Right. You know, right. it's. I think that we are seeing the first true superstar announcer, ten to fourteen million uh, per year. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. He's making more than most coaches. Players. That's that's eight million dollars more per year than John Madden received in two, two decades ago. I mean, and that's that's only only person other person I can like think about with the same that kind of was relevant to football 
attaching a, a consistent face to a sport as far as an announcer. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I, I personally love his analysis of the game. I think he really draws you in and educates you on the game. I know for some who are not going to be a Romo fan does not want to hear that and, and want to go through that. But I think as far as the sport, he's converted a lot of people in the aspect of listening to announcing and, and going uh, a little bit further in, in, into into wanting to hear what the announcers have to say and the analysis of the game. He's a I fucking think he's lot really helpful. Con- well, it, it, it doesn't have that pompous, like, weird attitude that Collinsworth just sets the stage for. Well, I think he's really helpful to the fan that's not a diehard fan. Like, he's helpful to, like, when my wife watches a game. Like, it helps her to understand it better. Like how, you know schemes, I mean? how schemes work and checkdowns and, like, what they're looking right. for. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's very informative. Just to provide a little context here, what I consider to be the premier play-by-play guy uh, in sports today, Joe Tessitore, uh, his what? Ne- I love him. Oh, he I is straight garbage. What are you talking him. about? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, here we go. Scratch that. Scratch that. No, you can't say <laughs> no, that. No, leave it. This, is, this is good. This no, is that's good stuff. Good. No way, man. They, they tried to fire his ass. They, they're trying to get him out of ESPN because he's garbage. What are you talking about? He is amazing. He, he paints a picture. They just tried to get Al Michaels because they're trying to give him the boot. Wow. Because they know that the Monday Night Product is garbage, that platform. <laughs> And it starts with Tessator, and it goes to Booger. But the whole the whole thing is bad. Well, yes, Booger is terrible, but Tessator is great. Did you hear? Have you heard him on UFC? He's amazing. Uh no, maybe think, okay. So a different sport, okay. But for football, I think he's horrendous. Well, I I think CBS too, and, and something to keep in mind too. You guys might not be thinking about with Tony Romo too. Is this is going to be probably the next predecessor because of his love of the sport with Jim Nance and golf later down the road as well. Cause Jim Nance has been the face of CBS golf for a long time. Mm. And I can see Romo picking up that slack with his love for the sport and how so much what, he's been involved. What exactly do you think Jim Nance is doing right now? He's chipping in his backyard on that freaking beautiful little, uh, seven day after day after punt. day. Don't you think he's, Absolutely. Be, he's calling something? Do you think he's, I mean, like, just like a, most of us, he's a gripping play by play of the coronavirus. What's that? <laughs> you think he's doing like a play-by-play of the coronavirus highlights? <laughs> oh my god, yes. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I mean, I he's lost. I mean, what you're talking about? We're talking about Masters, March you're Madness. Talking Masters, March Madness. Uh, player, we just lost the players a week before. Uh, we're not taking. I mean, the Masters is gonna. Oh, this that breaks my that that breaks my my heart. This is so Jim Nance's time if, to shine. This is if his. There season. was. If there yeah. was ever a sport you could do some social distancing with and make it work, golf has got to be it. Well, dude. that was my Not thing. But you still, though, they said. Well, clubhouse, but you talk about how much it takes to cater those events for the players, the people the behind the scenes. Are you really going to push it or stick it to the blue-collar guy who's making all these events work? All the, the strippers. The hotel rooms all and the, the strippers, strippers on the weekends. No, I'm serious. I guess they like you know they do ragers on the when they're in these towns. You know they live it up. These white, well, this these white collar golfers play it. They toe the line, Johnny. They're they're good people. 
<laughs> tell me more. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got. Good people. Tell me more right, about good so, people. So, John, since you since you absolutely hated my Joe Tessitore take, who's your premier uh, announcer in the land right now? I mean, how can you go with anyone other than Al Michaels? Al Michaels is really good. I mean, he's called the 1980 Miracle on Ice. All started there. Um, you know who else I, I really liked was um, I liked Sean McDonough. He used to do Red Sox games when I was growing up on TV sometimes. So I kind of grew up with the Sean McDonough voice. I'm not sure what he's doing now, but before the Monday night, before Tessitore, it was Sean McDonough. So All right. like Al, Al Michaels makes six million dollars a year. Yeah. Tony Romo is standing to make ten to fourteen. That, I mean, that's, that's the price of getting all the, the whatever, for lack of a better term, the pink hat fans knowledgeable and interested in watching the football game, right? I mean, it makes sense because so you got the diehards who are going to be watching the game no matter what. But if you can get the wives of the husbands that are watching the game or the girlfriends or, you know, a crowd of people that don't know much about the game and don't really understand it and you can educate them and get them interested in it and explain to them what's going on. I mean, I, it makes sense that that's the cost of keeping those eyeballs on the TV. So if, if, that, if that's what he's doing, and I feel like that is what he's doing, I, I guess the price of that, the cost for that is, is high. So makes sense. And the only, pers- only person I could put to that as far as a face to a sport and announcing is, I just looked it up, is Joe Buck, who makes pretty much $6 million a year. But he's probably hated by like 40% of yeah, fans. Yeah, not, a, not a big Joe Buck guy. I know, and, and the only people who really like him is probably that one area of St. Louis, the, the, of the southeast to mid to Midwest, who St. Louis, his, who who followed his father before. Yeah, I like I like I like Aikman on the broadcast, but uh, I don't, I really don't, and I'm a huge Aikman fan. I don't, I really don't like Aikman, both not only because he's attached to Joe Buck, but I just he has a very narrow minded view when he when he commentates. Yeah. He doesn't play both sides. I mean, I think that's yeah. one thing. One thing with Romo is is he just he has, and I think the fans catch on that he has such a love for the sport. And he's still so jazzed about it when he talks about it. You can feel that passion for it, and it's not catered to one side or the other. Where Aikman, he's got it. He's got his preferences of who he wants to talk about, who he doesn't want to talk about. All right, moving on. And what do we think will happen to this sport this year? I think hockey's dead on arrival. John, what do you think? Hmm. I mean, they're trying to figure something out, but I can't see how we move forward here. We we've got you know most teams ice, have the ice is a problem. Most the ice teams until ha- June or July is the ice is an issue. It's bad. It's bad. Right. It's always bad. I mean, if you uh, see Bruins last... playoffs games, Bruins playoff games in June are already bad with the ice. But I mean, imagine going down to, to Tampa. I mean, the, yeah. Tampa that that ice is not going to be good. Like anything, it's not going to be safe. It, it it's it's also one of those things where you know I hate those fluff articles that they write. If the playoffs started now, that's where we would be at. If we were able to resume even as soon as the middle of April, as sort of an arbitrary place to to restart, playoffs have to start right then because the Stanley Cup playoffs take two and a half months to get mm-hmm. through. Uh, it's a it's a long grind, and unless they're going to do an NCAA tournament kind of thing where everybody goes up to Winnipeg or something and, and plays all those games up there, um, I don't see how you get it done. 
Man, you're depressing me, Ernesto. I'm really I, looking I, forward to the Bruins seem to be on a mission this year to get that cup that they missed out on last year. And now if they don't if they get if the season gets wiped out and they're a year older, that Bruins team is a year older next year, I this was their last great, really good chance, in my opinion. The window has been shutting for quite some time now. Right, that's, and they, what and some, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And so, they made some good deadline moves too to really bolster the team. Yeah. Um so you yeah, it's a real shame. I was already depressed, and now you're gonna kick uh, kick hockey on in, in, in <laughs> my teeth, huh? Okay, we'll we'll move to something uh, more cheery. What are the odds There's that baseball? <laughs> <laughs> you're killing Johnny by the second. <laughs> what do you think, John? Baseball. Baseball. Um, I baseball mean, the, happened. The, the latest thing that they that they have said is we're now looking at June at the absolute earliest. Um, and even then, man, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I feel like we're going to get a season, I think, but you know, is that going to be 81 games? Is it going to be 102 games, 99 games? Um, I don't know. I they the people have been bringing up the fact that they could play double headers, but the players union has to agree to those double headers as well. And I just, I mean, I suppose if you'd say to the players, listen, you're not going to get paid the amount, you know, unless you play the games, you're not going to get paid the same amount. Then you could kind of force their hand on the double headers. But the players, the baseball players union is the really really strong union. Union, it's the strongest union that there is in sports. And they're going to fight back. They will fight back on those doubleheaders. They, they really will. So that's, uh, in my opinion, that's wishful thinking that by the owners to try to get doubleheaders to squeeze more games and more, more gates and more ticket prices. And there's no way there's no way there's more than a hundred games this season. I know, I know, I know. I you know you. what? Th- but even makes, a few days this- ago, they were saying 162 still. This may save baseball, though. This will be the most electric season right. we've every ever seen. So if it's if it's a I'm ninety game sprint, I'm with you. But every think, game, every game, I think is so that important. Could save baseball. I agree. I like it. I like it a lot because it's already too many games. But you know that the owners will never relinquish those 162 games because, like I said, that's that's uh, that's gates, that's ticket tickets, that's their yeah. money coming in. Absolutely. That's beer and hot dog sales and popcorn. If, if they only make ten grand a game, which of course they make more than that, that's seven hundred. Uh, let me. If they only make, ah, uh, yeah, see, that's what I get for trying to do math. Yeah, let's not do math live on the show. No math on the podcast. <laughs> no math on the podcast. <laughs> and they still have the seventy games. That's seven hundred thousand dollars, which isn't a lot of money. So I'm going to yeah. shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, they. They would stand to lose substantial money, and I think that that's why they're they were the first sports they were the first sport to come out and say the players are not going to get paid the full amount, and it's like the players are like, "The oh, fuck are you talking about? Like you shut us down yesterday. We're in the middle of a coronavirus crisis, and you're already saying we're not going to get paid. Like, like screw off." Meanwhile, all players from around around the globe, around the nation, are going out of pocket to support the arena workers and like the, the, the right. city workers to try to right. help out those guys that have lost their jobs. And the players got, got to take care of those guys before the owners in any of the sports stepped up. And I think that that's embarrassing for the owners. Like the players shouldn't be the ones stepping out. The owners should be the ones that are, that are stepping up. Uh, yeah. Of course you get the baseball owners who, you know, their biggest concern is money, which I, I get when you're rich, every penny matters, right? Um, so 
they're like, you're not going to make as much this year. Big, uh, big props to Zion Williamson for uh, stepping up in his mm-hmm. rookie year. And um, there's a slew in, of guys. There's in, a slew in, of guys. Ingratiating himself to the city. Uh, Sergey Bobrovsky did the same thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, the list up, is yeah, $100,000. Yeah. Sidney you Crosby. The Greek, you got the Greek freak, Blake Griffin. Uh, we could do a show the, on the guys that have one, one of the few, one, one of the few owners that stepped up pretty much right away when all that was happening was Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban. Yeah, yeah you know, but uh, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these players understand, and and but that you know, I mean, it's just a hard thing. I, I can't, I can't imagine even being in owner's aspect too of looking at all the aspects because I don't know what contingencies are there for something like this or what do you do. Right. Uh, I mean, across the nations and what they're shelling out and what it takes for them to pay those salaries is astronomical. So, wait, I, you I got, want... are you giving out sympathy for the owners? No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> just, I'm, just, I'm just saying from an aspect of, of knowing who they are and how wound tight when they want to make their money, but there's yeah. no contingency. Like, what they're, they're going to like, be okay, though. They're going to be I'm, okay. I'm not worried about them. I'm just saying from the aspect of just like what the fuck's going through their mind of, of just a fucking just a rich piece of shit asshole. Most of these guys are of like, holy shit, I'm actually going to lose money for the first time in my life. How am I going to handle this? I, I, I mean, it, it's just going to roll downhill. It's yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the, the sad reality, too, is that if PR scrutiny could be avoided, they probably wouldn't have opted to lose the money uh, mm-hmm. that they stand to lose. They're not, they are not canceling things out of uh, concern for people's safety. They are canceling things out of concern right. for being the one who somebody dies on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As soon as Rudy Gobert came out sick, it was like, shut it down. Shut it all down. Yeah, I mean, how many times we've seen that little girl wearing the bow at the New Orleans New Orleans Pelicans game crying, <laughs> you know, yeah. just in tears, right? When it, I mean, well, ESPN loves to show that one over and over again, yeah. but it's just like people came out, like, how could they shut it down? They're already there. They got to take public transportation home. These masses got to walk out shoulder to shoulder. Why not just play the game? I'm like, because if somebody gets fucking sick, they're gonna get sued. And that's what the that's the what the bottom price is. Is like nobody wants to be the one who got a mass amount of people sued over a sports sports game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I guess the last big thing we need to talk about, whether it's happening or not, twenty uh, twenty Olympics. Well, they're the, trying. IOC, the, the IOC they're trying. says they're still stand, standing strong. I mean, at, at this point, where you know some countries are in better shape than us uh like you said uh china and like some asian countries are coming out of this and putting things back together and you can get back into training and you know i, I think about basketball teams or other larger sport team events that, that will represent in the ioc so you're, you're being contradictory if, if you're coming together and practicing and preparing I mean, for it that's teams. the biggest thing soccer teams absolutely baseball teams uh to things of that level i just don't under i mean I know you've built this up, you, you know, the Olympic playing field and, and the city's been preparing for this, but wow. I mean, billions that, of dollars have been spent. Billions. I can't, yeah. I can't even imagine that, that on a scale for what a city has put into something to earn this mm-hmm. and to lose it will be crushing. Absolutely mm-hmm. crushing. But mm-hmm. apparently the, the cutoff date 
is in July sometime. You know, the Olympics are supposed to start in August, I think. Yeah. Late July, early August. So the, the cutoff date is July. So there's a, a little bit of time on that to see For what sure. happens. But it's also right. pushing back. I don't know, like, where... I mean, when, he, when Ebola was when, happening, they just soldiered right on. And, and um, that was happening at just about the epicenter of it all. Right. I just don't know, like, like players who are playing professionally and, like, coming into possibly condensed seasons, like PGA Tour guys on a, on a golf level where you're trying to make the cut and make your money as well. And are you still going to go participate in the Olympics to baseball players for other countries? I know America would just rather soon as probably put into college players to represent basketball and baseball, but I, I don't know exactly what other cores other countries, what they're committed to do. It's all, all up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the scariest things about everything that's happening here is that nobody really knows. And, and what, well, I mean, the experts are saying things and, um, a lot of people aren't, aren't following what the experts advice is. So it's, it's tough to really know how it's going to go, especially in our country where, uh, you know, sort of freedom uh, often usurps uh, common sense and and the better good. So, uh, you know, there are pe- there are people who are going to go out just because you told them not to. Here's what I do know, or we do know, is that the longer that people go without their jobs and their money dwindles and their supplies dwindle, that equals crime growing. That's Absolutely. what we do. We we do know, and so. You know, while we're hunkered down now and we're safe with our families for the most part um, and maybe a little bored, I feel like if something isn't done within a few weeks as far as some sort of stimulus, um, people getting checks, money, uh, you know that the crime is going to start to rise. I mean, something's about to hit Trump's desk uh, basically as we speak. it It has to happen because, you know, then it's just. Then it just becomes a fucking free for all, and we're all we're all in danger, right? You know? Absolutely, and I mean we're we're talking from the comforts of Brattleboro, Vermont, not like sitting in mm-hmm. Brooklyn or Manhattan right now, or right, you know, more populous cities where you know more people are more homeless, drug addiction is at a greater uh, increase. Um, and it's a great point to make, Johnny, too. And you talk about that too. You talk about loss of income and money. And how owners forecast for sporting events, are you going to drop your gate prices to fill seats and kind of cater to the American people or whatever country you live in, whether you're in premier soccer leagues overseas? But like, are you willing to do cheaper prices to not only make money for yourselves? Are you mm-hmm. are you going to stand strong uh, and not lower prices? And, Nothing's and, going to look, look the, the same on the other no. side. Nothing is going to look the same. Everything Absolutely. is going to change. And that that goes for that as that, well. You know, best right. case the nor- scenario that is that we do get sports back in some form or fashion, but then there's going to be the adjustments on you know ticket prices and whatnot because people right. don't have the people will not have the disposable income like they did before to right. buy jerseys and merchandise and tickets and and you know go on trips and stuff like that or yeah. even for us going out to restaurants and stuff right. like what's that. Happen- so, what's happening to these season ticket holders who are going to lose up until? possibly july in baseball like will they be reimbursed just to some degree or or you know how that's going to happen but I, the, the ripple effect of all this is going to carry out mm-hmm. beyond this year it might carry out for a few years of how this oh, works certainly. out certainly 
on the bigger picture. That's the bigger picture. Bigger picture, of course. I think now would be a good time for us to move into our clip of the week. Johnny, set us up uh, here with what we're about to listen to. All right, guys. This is uh, for you Patriots fans out there. Sadly, you have seen Tom Brady in a Patriots uniform for the last time. And uh, we're just going to listen to Tom Brady's entrance song, which you will never see him come out in Gillette Stadium to this song ever again. Make sure, make sure, bring a tear to your eye. Yeah. <laughs> Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. H to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the OZ. I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the ROC. Ho. Fresh out the frying pan into the fire. I be the music man's number one supplier. Flyer in a piece of paper bearing my name. Got the hottest chick in the game wearing my chain. That's right, ho. Not DOC, but similar to them letters. No one could do it better. I check cheddar like a food inspector. My homie Strick told me, dude, finish your breakfast. So that's what I'ma do. Take you back to the dude with the Lexus. Fast forward the jewels and the necklace. Let me tell you dudes what I do to protect us. Shoot at you actors like movie directors. Say the movie, dog. Okay, we're back. Doesn't really uh, hit me in the feels the way it does to you, John, but... Um... Only the biggest sports story of all time. <laughs> okay, lay it uh, on us. He's not wrong. Hmm. Yeah, when that when the news broke yesterday morning that Tom Brady um, was going to be leaving the Patriots, you know, I've been warning you guys and warning everyone that I know that I talk about it for months and months and months, probably going back to last season. The writing mm-hmm. has been on the wall for a long time long time for Tom Brady's departure from the New England Patriots. It, it honestly has, guys. It goes back to uh, 2013, to be to be deadly honest with you guys, because 2013, Brady's numbers were a little bit down. Um, you know, they didn't make it as far as they wanted to. And But people for, neglect to mention that he was throwing Aaron Dobson and Kemble Tompkins the entire year. He, didn't, he had no weapons that year. So in 2014, right. Belichick goes into the draft and – he proceeds to draft Jimmy Garoppolo, and at, as, at, at, at the draft, Belichick goes on to mention, well, we all know Tom's age, which at the time was 37, and contract situation. And for him, Jimmy Garoppolo was, was the replacement for Tom Brady. And Tom obviously took that as a slight, and he came out in 2014 with a vengeance. They obviously go on to win the Super Bowl that year, 2016, 2018. In the meantime, uh, Tom Brady wins an MVP in the Super Bowl. He lost to the Eagles, throws for 500 yards. So it, it was good because it kind of reignited Tom Brady's career in a way. It pushed him a little bit harder. Jimmy Garoppolo goes on to get traded a couple of years ago to San Francisco. But in the meantime, since then, Brady has been asking for an extension from the Patriots, a multi-year extension, numerous times, numerous times. You know, and Belichick went on at the request of Kraft, and he traded Jimmy Garoppolo a couple years ago, and so that ensured that Brady would be the quarterback for a little bit longer. But Bel- uh, Brady was still going year to year or every other year, and 
in this time, Brady continued to say that he wanted to play until he was 45 years old. He's, he's never wavered on saying that he wanted to play until he's 45 years old. Uh, so, you know, it, it goes back pretty far, the, the rift between Belichick and Brady. And last season, Brady was going into his final year of his deal last August. And Brady was asking for an extension again. And the extension that was given to him was a two-year extension with this. So it included last year, the 2019 season, and one for the 2020 season, which was incentive-laden, which was similar to the contract he was given in 2018, which were incentives that were impossible for any QB to hit, let alone Tom Brady. In 2018, he didn't hit any of those incentives. So he knew that in 2020, he wouldn't be hitting those incentives either. So Brady was getting... The, uh, the raw end of the stick here. What what he wanted was a kind of a Drew Brees type contract. He wanted a two year and fifty million dollar contract. That's what he was asking for, pretty much guaranteed. You know, just give me two years, fifty million. We'll we'll work on that for now. And Belichick just wouldn't wouldn't budge. I mean, think about what the top the Kirk Cousins makes over thirty million dollars a year. Russell Wilson thirty five. If you're a good quarterback in the NFL now, you're making thirty million plus. That's Philip, just, that's Philip just, Rivers just got one year twenty five million. He hasn't it, done shit. But that's the lay of the land right now yeah, for quarterbacks. Right. So it, that's just what it is. And Drew Brees is Drew Brees, but Tom Brady is better than Drew Brees. And so two for fifty isn't too much to ask, especially someone who's been an icon for as long as Tom Brady has been for the New England Patriots. Right. Okay, so. Brady was so mad about not getting the contract and it not working out that he threatened he wasn't going to get on the plane to go to their practice against Tennessee in Tennessee last last fall, last August. And it, that's something that was not reported until just kind of recently, that he threatened to not get on that plane without a new deal. And he didn't like that two-year deal that was offered to him that I just men- mentioned. And so they worked something out and they gave him a deal that that – paid him $23 million for the 2019 season, but it also allowed Tom Brady to not be franchised this year. Okay. And so that gives Tom Brady a little bit of leverage for the first time in his career. And I think at that point is when Brady knew that this was probably going to last year was probably going to be the last year of his of Patriots career, but he wasn't certain of that. And so if you followed and re- followed Tom Brady on a week to week basis, he was pretty miserable throughout the entire year last year. At one point saying to the announcers, I'm probably the, probably the most miserable eight and quarterback in the history of the universe, you know, cause he was just, the offense wasn't working at the, the level that he was used to. You know, they didn't have the weapons. The defense they, was winning the games. The defense was winning games, but the offense was struggling week after week after week. The weapons were just not there. He had two tight ends in Lacoste and Izzo who just weren't viable tight ends. And, and he's you know, probably only one of few who could make an 8-0 statement like that and get away with it. Right. Understanding. But it was, val- it was valid to make that point on his part. So the team finishes 12-4, and four, and they lost unceremoniously at home in the division round playoffs to the Tennessee Titans, 21 to 13. And, you know, for the last, what, 70 days leading up until this free agency period, there was no contact between the Patriots and Brady, except for about a week ago, they finally talked on the phone. And, you know, the reports are that it did not go well. It did not go well. Right. And so the Patriots, knowing Brady was going to be a free agent on March 18th, never offered him another contract. So the last contract they offered was the one they offered him last fall 
before he accepted the one-year deal, which was shit. The incentive-laden shit contract. I mean, you're, are you going to say your job if your job says to you, you know, we're going to pay you half as much, but you, we want you to do the same, if not more? No, you're not going to do that. You're going to say, you know what, fuck off. I'm going to move on. And so that's the contract that was on the table. And so Brady says, well, okay, so I'm going to be a free agent, Bill. Where's my contract? And Bill says to him, well, we're waiting for you to give us an, an offer. Uh, that's not the way free agency works. If you want a free agent, you make that free agent an offer. If I want you, Ernesto, to come to my team, I'm going to say, Ernesto, I'd like to pay you $50 million to come join my team. I don't wait for you to say, um, I want you to give me $30 million, John. That's just not the way free agency works. We were all waiting for the chips to fall here with, with Tom Brady. And as in the conclusion of the most exciting uh, free agency period, I think the sport has ever seen uh, with so many quarterbacks in the air. Um, let's see where everybody landed. So uh, we had Nick Foles heading to Chicago for a fourth round pick. Uh, I think that's a very smart move. Anything's better than Trubisky. I mean, well, Tom, I, Tom Brady, really? They, why are they passing on Tom Brady? <laughs> Tom didn't want to go to Chicago. <laughs> Giselle didn't want to go to Chicago. You make him an offer. That's the thing about these teams. That's why the NFL is so stupid because they're okay with being content and being 8 and 8, 9 and 7, 7 and 9, so they can keep their job with average quarterback and these teams that didn't want to take a chance on a guy that could take them to the next level in the next year or two. Chicago. Chicago is one of those teams, along with Indianapolis, where uh, Tom Brady added to their team could vault them to the next level. So Nick All Foles, right. yeah, okay, but it's not Tom Brady. And speaking of Indianapolis, Philip Rivers and his 15 children uh, moving to the heartland. Damn it, for... you beat me because you at least got 15 more fans to fill the seats. He's not, he's not allowed to be around his family, though, because he has more than 10. No! Oh, wow. <laughs> well played. That's a good coronavirus joke. Yeah, yeah good. Nice job. Go. Nice job. I hated I, – I just – I don't know. What's I, this? One I, year, 25 million? One year, 25 – I just – I don't – I just don't believe he's going to be a difference maker for a team like Indianapolis who, in my mind, needs to compete and needs to win. Tom Brady, uh, right? Tom Brady, yeah, right? Tom Brady. Perfect fit. That'll be one right there. Perfect fit. I don't see how Philip Rivers is an upgrade to Jacoby Brissett, who already knows well, this and is already there. Rivers I, is an interception machine in his old age. It's a bit of a lateral move, and you're making a lateral move to a guy you've got no history with. So it, no, they do. Frank Reich used to be a coordinator for Rivers. Trading two thousand yards receiving and twenty less interceptions between the two. That's why not Tom Brady. You yeah. know, it's because Reich, Frank Reich used to work with Philip Rivers. So right. they know each other. So he's going with the known Philip Rivers over the unknown Tom Brady. And then we have uh, Case Keenum heading over to Cleveland. That's an interesting move in my aspect. That just tells me right now you have no faith in, in whatsoever in your starting quarterback, and you need something to back up and fall on. Uh, you need somebody to drive uh, your, your quarterback to work harder and not feel like he should be so comfortable so, oh, so soon in his career. He got a little cocky too quick in my mind. So, uh, you know, and they also got Hooper tight end uh, out of that situation in Cleveland. So he gets a better tight end. But uh, yeah, I think that was just more of them. Like, don't get too comfortable, work hard, be prepared, come into camp. Next, we had something uh, big news coming out of Carolina. Teddy Bridgewater headed there three years, $60 million. That's $20 million a year. So, you know, if he's not good, they're just going to cut his ass. 
you know, it, this is just an interesting time to mention about Cam Newton and where his health is at to get physicals, to be able to test him, to know how healthy he is, um, to fly him around to doctors, have doctors fly in to check him out. I think everybody's just really scared about Cam Newton right now, and, he, and it's unfortunate for him because people, I feel like he, he's basically handcuffed in a way of, of being able to prove himself right now. I think he's going to re-sign and have a resurgent with the L.A. Chargers. He's the perfect fit for the Chargers and going into the new stadium. They bring in an MVP quarterback, a, a national champion, a guy like Cam Newton, to help sell seats. I think that's a good fit. They didn't land Tom Brady even though they wanted to. Cam Newton is a good second fiddle, I think. Good option for the Chargers. I, I think we see Cam land in L.A. So your hot take is that Cam Newton is Tom Brady late? No, um, the Chargers <laughs> The Chargers don't sell seats in, in L.A. And, the, and they're entering a new stadium where they need to sell their PSLs, private seat licensing uh, packages. And, you know, they, they're not selling in L.A. The Rams are. So the Chargers needed to do something big like get a Tom Brady. They wanted to, but they didn't go after him hard enough. Um, I think the next best thing for them is to go after a guy like Cam Newton. Cam Newton and, will, and will work God in fuck, L.A. And God the way he dresses. Yeah, and God fucking knows that Cam's going to love to take his talents and fashion talents to fucking L.A. L.A., absolutely. It's a good fit. It's a good yeah. fit. All right, so keep on the lookout for that. Speaking of uh, second best, we have Chase Daniel heading to Detroit. Three years, 13 mil backup gig, presumably. Uh, possibly, yeah. If, if Stafford doesn't get moved, then yeah. And Stafford's coming off a serious back injury, so who who knows what the deal is there. Um, with him so I think they just wanted a competent backup because their backup situation was really ugly last year Mm -hmm. you have uh, just Mariota with nothing else written next to it Mariota goes to Oakland but we don't know the we don't know the contract unfortunately yet he got traded for a mayonnaise sandwich (laughs) (laughs) sounds about right yeah well that's a one-for-one deal isn't it I I believe Johnny correct me but where he was at in the Titans as far as uh, front office GM (laughs) And uh, coordinator is now, an, well, not coordinator, but GM is what who drafted him out of Tennessee. And Gruden was, uh, during the uh, draft, he, he was second overall on Gruden's list to take him as well. So Gruden was high on him during the time as well. So maybe yeah. this is uh, Smart two, move. Two, 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 two figureheads. <laughs> two figureheads who think they can rejuvenate his career. Good luck with that. It's not going to happen. Uh, and then we had Ryan Tannehill uh, signing with the Titans four years, uh, 118 mil. John, do you think this was just a flash in the pan? Can we yes, count 100%. on? Yeah, so no chance. No chance that the Tannehill Titans uh, continue their tour of domination next year. They will regret this by week four. That team, while they made a deep playoff run, they still finished only nine and seven off the great year that Tannehill supposedly had, but. We have six years of evidence that Ryan Tannehill sucks as an NFL quarterback. <laughs> um, just playing 10 good games in a contract push year does not give you the merits to earn a four-year, $118 million contract. And a team like the Titans knocking on the doorstep of NFL greatness passes on a Tom Brady to sign Ryan fucking Tannehill, who's <laughs> over 30 years old, so they're going to have him until he's 34. I, I, my promise is they will regret that by week four this year. I went, I, went out on my, I went out on my lunch break today. It was a beautiful day and threw a football around with a coworker. And at the end, I threw more passing yards than he did all his fucking playoffs mm-hmm. season last year. <laughs> <laughs> He's a piece of shit. 
They were afraid I, to use them. They I were cannot, afraid to I, use I, them. He's so they're so scared. I had no idea what their expectation is. I think they just are okay with not making the playoffs this year and just saying, "Hey, we took a chance. He, he took us to the playoffs." I think he's the biggest scapegoat for them this season. It's just stupid. 100%. All right, those are the quarterbacks you don't sign to those deals. Like it's, it's absolutely those, those are that's what's been proven in the history of the NFL. Guys like Tannehill who have one good contract push run and you signed a hundred million dollar contracts never work out. All right, one last quarterback to talk about, and we're going to get into the franchise guys later. But Marty, Dak Prescott getting I, slapped with the tag. You know, it, we kind of all saw it coming. It's going to come. Yeah. It's just the biggest slap in the face. Once again, you know, signed to sign Zeke last year to go out, give Amari Cooper five years, 100 million this year, who, uh, you know, came in, rejuvenated his career uh, with the Cowboys with the help of Dak Prescott. I know Dak comes out firing hot every season and just hits the seeds. He always seems to hit, excuse me, that midseason slump and then rejuvenates himself a little too late in the season. That's been his narrative for the past few years. I just feel like either he's going to hold out for big money and, and, and play this through, or I just don't know why the Cowboys would go this direction in the way I do from their aspect, but I just think this is a slap in the face. You're, you're hurting your fan base a little bit by doing this to Dak. You know, Johnny, it kind of feels like in a way of, like, underpaying Brady towards the fourth of the year uh, early yeah, in his career. The, the... This, this guy came in after Romo ended his career early, was better than expected. I, I just think they got him by the balls, and this guy, this kid wants more, and, and, and rightfully so. I mean, you look at, look at his averages as a quarterback over the past four or five years in the league with other quarterbacks. He, he's up there. He ranks up there. His numbers are great. He just can't win playoff games, and that doesn't solely rest on his shoulders. And uh, it's it's just such a very curious year with Garrett gone, which I'm so fucking happy that Mr. McClappy is fucking out, and, and and that I don't know we win McCarthy. I'm so unsure about that as well. But he at least has a good or uh, an offensive mind. He's worked with some great quarterbacks over the years. So I think maybe maybe Jerry Jones is saying this is a show me year for Dak. You know, let's see what you can do with Mike McCarthy, and you know if you can if you can up your level of game one more like level higher, then okay, we're in. If not, then we're gonna let you, let you go. I know it's just so hard to pay somebody so minimum, and that's the guy when you when you print your franchise. Yeah, I don't know, minimum one point four million dollars. Right. That's not coming. so minimum. Tom Brady would love that kind of money over the years. <laughs> <laughs> that minimum True. money. I mean, yeah. the the franchise tag is a little bit of a slap in the face because you're not earning your own money. You are you getting are... the average of the top five paid at that position. Right. Exactly. So. So but he can up, he can up the Cowboys the offered him, him. The, the Cowboys put an offer out there that I think was very fair mm. 34 mil or something uh, over five years. And Dak wanted more money less years. And, you know, I, I just think I think he kind of got what he deserved on 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 this one with the with the slap of the franchise tag. And this is going to be a show me year. So if yeah, if yeah. he goes out there and he's able to be the guy and be the guy for Mike McCarthy, then they'll probably happily, you know. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Jerry Jones has said he's got no, doesn't get cramps in his hand when he's writing checks. You know, he, um, but he kind of does because it's been proven. I was about to say, 
It's been proven that in real, real money spent since 2011, the Cowboys are right near the bottom in real cap money spent in the last 10 years. It's, so it's not it's not hard to do that when no matter what your record is, you sell out every game. Yeah. So I think Jerry's a lot cheaper than people think. Absolutely. We shall see. That this is the year we shall see yeah. for Dak and, and where that goes. But I, I, I just uh, I have such I have such mixed feelings about this guy. And we could go on and on. I could go on and on about it. So let's just move on. Uh, so but we had- can I just ask you one more question though? I know this this show's getting long. Just who who do you want instead of Dak though? Like what is your what is your hopes for alter, alternative to Dak at quarterback in Dallas? To go with that, I mean. Honestly, I gave you a lot of shit. I would have, t- I would have taken Brady in for one year with those receivers and that, yeah, and that offensive yeah. cord. I would have taken it, that in for one or two years to see where that went. In that division, you're getting, the, you're getting a buy with Tom Brady going thirteen yeah. and three, probably getting a buy, and then you know you're, you're halfway there to the Super Bowl and with Brady. I mean, you mean know. I, I gave you a lot of crap for it, uh, you know, when when that was being talked about and there was a possibility of that happening. Yeah. Uh, but but there's a little part of me inside, like I would love to see that type of winning attitude, and leadership in that clubhouse. Okay. Okay. All right. Moving on. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona. Marty, you got oh. strong feelings on this one, so I'll let you take it. <laughs> the Mookie bets well, of I, football. I, text, I texted you right away. I'm like, I feel like that was, you know, the bets of of uh, the NFL right there. I, I I know like you don't have a great relationship with him. Uh, God fucking his name just escaped, escaped me because I already got worked up right away. Boob, Bill O'Brien. Bob Bill O'Brien, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But when you're in a when you're in a GM and a head coach position, I know that's not easy. I know you don't have the best relationship with the guy, but you just basically gave away for fucking David Johnson, who I have personally drafted in fantasy the last three years. Who's been a fuck stick of a draft, <laughs> so I can't not fucking stand. He's been a waste of, of a fucking two or three in a draft who gets hurt like you just gave away that aspect to to somebody who's regardably the best if not the second best receiver in the nfl who is going to go out and play 110 percent every game and want to get his stats and numbers he's going to go after the ball and play hard for you i just plays hurt too he plays hurt that's absolutely and you're talking about brady going to tampa bay and becoming a contender it's not exactly instantaneous with with their situation over there but they are going to compete right away with fitzgerald and Hopkins going into into that in, in that core. I mean, that is going to be a great receiving team. Preston Kirk, yeah. absolutely. And I just don't. It's just I'm still scratching my head over that. I, I don't get it whatsoever. Yep. So Hopkins to Arizona. That's a big one. And then we got DJ over to Houston. I mean, they've been looking for the running back, right? But I mean, is DJ the same guy from a couple of years ago? I think we've all seen in running backs guys like Todd Gurley. David Johnson, you know, as good as they can be one year, you know, it seems like, you know, their shelf life is like three years, four years max. And then that that's it. They fall off at an absolute cliff. You know, the running backs are, it's an easily fillable position. And is David Johnson that much better than the Lamar Miller? You nope. know, so, I mean. He's a better receiver out of the backfield, but he's right. not overall in my mind that much greater to make and, that kind of trade. And you're right. He struggles to stay on the field. And at the running back position, that's not something you want. And I just think he's got that other personality. If he doesn't feel like he's getting the ball enough and it's not scheming around him, he doesn't run hard. If the play's away from him, he doesn't sell the play. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. Tough yeah, move that. there. Tough move. Diggs leaving uh, Minnesota, heading over to Buffalo. 
coming off one of his best years, but he's going to an unproven quarterback, and he's going to be freezing his ass off. I don't know if he's going to be happy six games into the season. <laughs> yeah, because they're going to be feeding him the ball. But you got Brown, Diggs, Beasley. That's a great receiving core right there. But this is, uh, you know, Johnny was adamant about this when we were talking the other day. Coming off that playoff uh, loss, uh, Josh Allen showed some serious struggles right there. And Small I think hands. This is the, yeah, I think this is the franchise going in. Like, we're giving you everything you need, kid. This is your year to prove it or else. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that 100%. Um, you know, Diggs complained a lot last year about Kurt Cousins and not getting the ball as much as he should have in Minnesota. And he is extremely talented, and I wanted the Patriots to go after him. And, and Buffalo paid a high price to get him. They gave up four draft picks, including the number 22 overall pick this year going to Minnesota. So – you're right. Buffalo's going all in with this year for Josh Allen and saying, Josh Allen, like, show us what you got this year because, you know, you showed flashes last year. Probably they should have won that playoff game in Houston, but, but Allen fumbled all over himself in the closing minutes of that game in overtime. Uh, so I think they're saying, let's, you know, give him the weapons, see what he can do. And, if, you know, if he can't get it done this year, especially with Brady out of the division, then they'll move on from Josh Allen. Well, that's exactly it, Johnny, because with with Brady and the wind of uh, people in the league knowing he's going to leave, you, you see Miami spending the money, you see Buffalo right. going out. This is their chance at least one or two years to possibly take this out of, out of uh, New England's hands and, and be relevant in it, the mm-hmm. AFC week, uh, East. AFC East is a, is a race again. Absolutely. Except for the Jets. Yeah. <laughs> In the beginning of a mass exodus of Steelers uh, out of Pittsburgh, Sean Davis uh, heading to Washington. Yeah, Washington grabbed some good players. And, and you know, Ron Rivera is a de- defensive coach. He's the new head coach in Washington. And he's always been, you know, going back to his days on the 85 Bears. He's a defensive-minded coach, you know, defensive-minded guy. Uh, he always had a strong defense in Carolina, and I think he's focusing on building a strong defense in Washington as well. And I think Sean Davis is right at the core of that is safety. Well, I, this is where I could possibly see Cam Newton ending up as well. I, I agree. I agree. You know, if he doesn't go to L.A., Washington, because, you know, Rivera loves Cam, and I think it goes vice versa. Yeah. Dante Fowler heading to Atlanta, three years, 48 mil. Yep. So Atlanta replaces uh, Vic Beasley. So Vic Beasley – one-time sacks leader goes to Tennessee and they replace him with Dante Fowler, who the Rams overpaid for a couple years ago from Jacksonville. So kind of a lateral move there. Uh, if you ask me for the Falcons, Miami, uh, picking up Van Noy, Miami spending money. They, mm-hmm. they are, they're proving that this is, you know, not just as necessarily just a full tank season to move up to, for Tua, whatever they want to want to draft uh, this year, but I think they uh, feel an opportunity to to be relevant in the AFC, and they're going to go out of their way to build to build a pretty damn decent team, in my mind. That brings to mind. I heard a rumor today or yesterday, you know, sitting at home all alone, listening to sports shows. That I don't know what if or the potential of this happening is. Could Miami trade the number five overall pick to Dallas for Dak, and Dallas takes Tua? And Miami gets Dak. Huh? I don't. Yeah, I don't that. think. That, I don't think that's outrageous. I. I, I mean, Tua is an intelligent player, and he's he's proven that that NFL teams want him. They like his intelligence. They like his leadership. Obviously, he comes from a pedigree. And then Dallas doesn't have to pay Dak. 
you know. And, and Dallas they, doesn't have to pay Dak very true. They clearly don't want to. But Maybe. just just I, something I heard. Yeah. But the only the only thing that, that contradicts that for me a little bit, Johnny, if, if Amari had went yeah, and yeah. didn't sign that five years, yeah. I'd say, yeah, they'd probably be leaning that way. But I know Amar, how much Amari likes to play with Dak, and it's probably a relevant factor for him to sign for five yeah, uh, to keep Dak there as well. But w- we'll see. Because, I mean, I you're talking about Amari. Uh, is uh, Amari's an Ale- Alabama alumni too, right? Yes, he is. Yep. So, so that could be contradictory as well. All right, on the on the defensive side for Dallas, Gerald McCoy. Yeah. So He's, former longtime Tampa Bay defensive lineman Gerald yeah. McCoy uh, goes to Dallas on a three year deal. Uh, what do you think of that, Marty? I like it. I mean, we we need some leadership on that side. They need to fill fill a few holes. Uh, God, we just signed Sean Lee again too. I'm just ready to move on from Sean Lee. Yeah, and you. <sighs> Robert Quinn left Dallas to sign with Chicago on a five-year, seventy million dollar deal. So yeah, had a lot of, I'm a little nervous on, on, on. Yeah, I'm a little nervous on the defensive side. There's going to be a lot of changes, so it makes me feel like there could be a rough start to the season. I, I feel like there's a lot of talent there that will come together, but you know, coming off what could possibly be a, a short training camp, if a training camp at all, uh, it could be a, it could be a defensive rough start for this team for sure. And, and Marty, I'd love to get your take on uh, Witten heading to Oakland. I that's probably as far as a free agent signing, my biggest head scratcher. I don't know what he's looking to do or prove by going out there. He's obviously had a pretty decent career in announcing. Missed the game, yeah, I get it. Want to come back and be a cowboy again, but not to retire as a cowboy uh, and, and to go out this way. I I I had no idea what, what what's in his head. I, I thought see he was this done. Guy, I, I did too. I, I see this guy maybe playing three or four games and retiring. And just like, what the fuck was I thinking? Uh, Oakland already has the tight end, Darren Waller. So who's, what are they doing bringing in Jason Witten? He's good. It's not like he – I mean, he, he was an impact player last year. So maybe he was they tremendous. just that back up or, or, or blocking tight end at, at best. Or I don't know. I mean, I mean, Witten had a pretty decent season coming back last year. But I just don't understand, like, to come back – I can't remember what he signed for. It was nothing majorly great. One year and some change, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's got a gambling problem. Just wants to go out there. What about the big, the big loss at cornerback, Byron Jones, who went to Miami? Highest paid cornerback in the league now. That was a huge contract. I mean, he's he's good. I, that that's the one that hurts the most. Yeah. I, I mean, he he was a shutdown corner. He he took some relief off. Off the weak side, right there, and uh, I, I, it's going to be hard to fill those shoes. But uh, you know, money pays, and for these defensive backs, I mean, wh- what a great thing, Johnny, to go to Miami with. There's no really expectations right there to make that kind of contract. It's hard to think that in. my. It's hard to think that Miami's not going to be competitive next year. I think they will be. I think I, I think I think at least in the in the AFC games, you're going to split with most teams in that division next year. Among all those teams, home home field advantage. I mean, I mean, they're I spending really, ton. They spent tons of money. I mean, tons of money. There are so many signings on this sheet for Miami. Like it, it's just that. Yeah, they they are they are not. And I guess if you're a, a Dolphins fan, I mean, that's got to make you feel good. Hey, they're, at least they're spending their money. What a great time to have a come up too, because New England has absolutely laid their nuts on that division for the last twenty mm-hmm. years. So they're. Yeah. You know, it, it's been irrelevant, the other teams in that division in that time. So uh, 
here on the precipice of what very well may be the collapse of the New England Patriots as we know them right now to perfectly time your uh, ascension uh, in this way is uh, smart front office work on their part. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, and I guess while we're while we're sucking off, well, can, can, um, I, can I backtrack to that, though, Miami, I mean, and, and 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 make this make sense for me, Johnny, or even you, Nesto, to to trade Fitzpatrick like Miami did last year to Pittsburgh, and then turn around and pay this kind of contract uh, again for well, a quarterback. Let's not, let's not forget they got a first round pick for that. I get that. I mean, but I don't know. That's just a lot. Of, I mean, it just seems a little redundant in my mind. But I understand that first round pick. So to finish the filleting of Miami here and their pickups, we had Eric Flowers, Shaq Lawson, and Jordan Howard uh, joining the team as well. I think Shaq Lawson's a, a huge addition. Mm-hmm. I mean, Him and Ben Noy. I mean, they're stacking up. It's going to be interesting. I mean, this is going to be one of those teams where we talk about, too, how soon they can get in. They're going to get in on time and and, and congeal as a team. But this, this defense could be absolutely filthy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we had a bunch of people, as I mentioned before, leaving the Steelers. Mark Barron is leaving. You don't even have it on the list here, uh, but he, he's oh, out. Okay. Chicolo is out. Yeah, and so we are experienced. We we have uh, franchise bud, but we'll get to that later. We've brought in Derek Watt. Mm-hmm. Why not get the triumvirate here? We we have a big hole in linebacker. Let's bring in JJ Watt and get the Trinity of Watt happening in the Steelers. The Holy Trinity of Watt. <laughs> Turn down for Watt, baby. Load up on the Watts. <laughs> uh, but in all serious, that'll never happen. In all serious, no, Houston cannot let him. He's been such a great ambassador for that. They city. just traded DeAndre Hopkins. Who knows what they're thinking? Yeah. <laughs> right? That Derek, is very true. This guy Derek donates Watt, too much money to the Houston community. Derek Watt heads to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, three years, nine point seven five. You got to think this. This sadly. Um, is the end for Roosevelt Nixon in Pittsburgh. Oh man, that's a rough one. It is it is rough. It's it's tough, but I'm thinking perhaps Derek Watt will be just fine. I think he will be. <laughs> Anybody we need to talk about? Um uh, so Houston replaces DeAndre Hopkins with wide receiver Randall Cobb for three years and twenty seven million. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Laugh. That's a joke. It's so <laughs> they they like, do that. <laughs> We're sorry, Houston, but here's Randall Cobb. Oh, come on down. Which I was actually kind of surprised that he went because I thought McCarthy would maybe fight for him a little bit. Oh, uh, getting back to the mass exodus of Steelers, Javon Har- Hargrave uh, heading yes. to Philly. That's tough to swallow, uh, but he's getting fucking paid. So good for him. Uh, but that's that's really tough. It, it's going to be a really different team. Looking forward. It looks like they're selling a lot of assets. I'm maybe becoming a little bit less confident that Ben's coming back. If if they're no, they just restructured his deal. Oh, they did. They did. I didn't put that in the notes because I just figured that maybe it wasn't that important. But they just restructured his deal. So. Yeah, so no, what, what's it? What's? I don't know what it looks like. It's just a headline I read. Sorry. Huh. Interesting. 
maybe they just I don't know. It seems like they're they're sending a lot of stuff out. Perhaps they're going to have a big free agent signing afterward or a trade or something. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't see Hargrave was such Do they have uh, a lot of draft picks this year? No, we gave away our first round. That's right. Yeah, so that's not it. Yeah. Uh, it just yeah, doesn't make sense to me. I'm not really sure. Yeah, because a lot of the free agents are, are drying up very quickly. You know, free agency in NFL, it's it's not like baseball where it lingers on for months. Like it's like bing, bang, boom. You know, the guys sign and they're on their new teams and that's it. So you know, it's well, happening once, fast. Once those serious. big names go, it's like grab them while you can get them. Like right, start to freak out. Uh, let's look into the crystal ball a little bit. Do you? Uh, let's look at a few people who's looking for homes. Johnny, Nessa, maybe foresee where they go. Maybe they get picked up. Maybe they don't. Melvin Gordon. I'm. I'm. So I was listening to Tampa Bay radio today. Oh no! And oh, shit. They are, really? They let me tell you. You want comedy? Listen to Tampa Bay radio uh, sports radio during the day. It is like you know if You're you just think that jacked people. Up. If you think people around you are not smart, or, you know, and I apologize, I'm not sure what our Florida listener base is going to be for this show. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, this is bad. But if you think people around us are dumb or you know anyone that's dumb, I mean, just turn on Tampa Bay Sports Radio for a couple hours and you want some comedy. Like, it is hysterical. And the love for Jameis Winston, every single call, one, two, three, four, five calls in a row calling for Jameis Winston, saying that Brady was a mistake and they want Jameis Winston back because they love him or they want they love Jameis Winston so much that they want him to re-sign to be Brady's backup for the next couple of years. And the, sh- the show host was like, what is wrong with you people? He threw 30 interceptions last year. Bruce Arians <laughs> came to Tampa Bay because he wanted to coach Jameis Winston. And one after one year, he's done with him. Like, that tells you something. And they're just, like, infatuated with Jameis Winston. Anyway, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, he, I mean, what he did for that state in college as a football player. That's true. Local That's true. I, I, I understand that following and not wanting to give up on him. It's bizarre, man. I tell it, you. I was like, weird. what am I listening to? You add heat, meth, and mullets all together. You get That's retarded. what it is. Yes, meth and mullets. Yeah. <laughs> don't forget the heat that's the what heat. that's I what said heat meth and mullet who's this tom brady guy who's he's te- tom brady we like we like missing the playoffs year after year after year with Jameis. <laughs> anyway like- so getting back to my original point um aside from the Jameis calls that i heard today um, it sounded like they want a running back, Melvin Gordon. It sounds like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be making a I push. Mean, you got a, what does that? You got a thousand yard running back off that last year with them for Tampa yeah. Bay. It's not like you, you got a slouch back there already, but I guess if you want a little extra firepower, and they want a running back who can catch passes because that's what yeah. Tom Brady likes. So they you were talking got, Melvin you, Gordon or Deion Lewis. You know, you know who's got a little money to spend though, and needs a reliable running back. Especially one that can catch passes out of the backfield. Who that? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so one, one more, Johnny. Uh, the Red Rocket, Andy Dalton. What do you think? I thought shoot yeah, him. I, take I, I take know, him behind I know. the stadium what? and fucking shoot him. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he does, does he deserve a minute? Fuck it, put him down. Right. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you want me to say. Um, he's the Red know. Rocket. He's in Chicago. I know he was in the talks with uh, being 
being with the Bears before Nick Foles is either Nick Foles or him as a possible backup. Is he, behind if he comes to New England, I'm then then I'm truly will be done with the Patriots. <laughs> that would be that would be so weird to see him. In It'll a be uniform. a lock at one though, John. Where where they'll be playing a lot of games. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, and and they'll be a lock to be like two and fourteen next year, and they'll get Trevor Lawrence the year after. Well, so, that this right is. Side. So the fact that the Patriots have no quarterback right now. Jared Stidham. Jared Stidham, man. It's not. Come on. No, he might be something. He might. It's going to be Brissett. Maybe. I know. I I think Stidham's the guy. It sounds so. Before they let Brady go, there was a bunch of uh, local puff pieces on Jared Stidham, like talking him up just to kind of make it a softer landing for Patriots fans. So, it's a so that's how, that's how you know Belichick's in on Stidham. Tank for Trevor. Sounds like a bad cologne you get off the aisle in Walmart. Stidham. Wearing that Stidham tonight. <laughs> I don't know, man. We'll see. But I think that's that's what the plan is for this year. So, But I'll tell you, he's not Brady 2.0. No, no, certainly not. Certainly not. All right. Um, let's get into our franchise tag, gentlemen, uh, and then get the hell out of here. We have Kenyon Drake. Arizona. Tooney. Uh, yeah, I think the Patriots are going to try to protect. St- so what they did is they, right before they let Brady go, they franchised Joe Tooney for $14 million on the guard. And then they re-signed De- uh, Devin McCourty, the longtime safety, to $23 million. And his brother, Jason McCourty, at cornerback. And special teams ace, Matthew Slater. Because they want to surround uh, the new young kid, the quarterback Stidham, with a bunch of leadership guys. Because Brady, the ultimate leader, is going to be gone. So I think that's your plan there. All right. And then just an absolute fucking shame. uh, AJ Green cutting his nuts so he can't fly. Let him go. his wings. Joe Burrow to AJ Green, baby. Joe Burrow to AJ Green. Oh, that's the only that thing that'll That was Burrow's demand. Was he wanted to make sure that the Bengals kept AJ Green? Okay, so he was like, AJ, I like, wanted, thank you, I Joe. Tiger, and then they just like <laughs> chained this beautiful, majestic I beast. I want to pet this bangle with my small hand. <laughs> the Bengals. Jesus Christ! All right, do what uh, you want. Derrick Henry. I mean that 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 was the most obvious uh, franchise tag there ever was, in my opinion. Right, he's he's enough man for him and Tanner Hill, so that's yep. the only way it's going to go down. Uh, we talked a little Bud Dupree. Yeah, um, makes sense. Probably not going to get more than this last year out of him, so um, you know, slap it on him and move along. Uh, Chris Jones back to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs on defense. I mean, that was another given, right? Everyone kind of expected mm-hmm. that they weren't going to let Chris Jones go. No. Um, but sooner or later, they're not going to be able to pay Mahomes and Chris Jones, so they're going to have to choose one. I wonder which one it's going to be. Uh, me too. Uh, <laughs> Tampa Bay uh, franchised the NFL sacks leader last year in linebacker Shaq Barrett. So, Jeez. yeah, lock up a uh, stud yeah. on defense. Uh, the Jets franchise defensive tackle Leonard Williams. Um, you know, it's the Jets, so who really cares? The Chargers. Franchise tight end Hunter Henry. Who's the last tight end you can remember to be franchise? I don't know. Yeah, it's a good good question. I don't know. That was, that one was kind of like a head scratcher for me. But what the hell are they going to hold on to down there? Remember when the Colts franchised Pat McAfee? Did they really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, they, they did. would. Do that. 
<laughs> owner's high as a kite. Oh, no, 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 franchise. Hey, brother. He's my hey, favorite brother. coke buddy in the offseason. Let's keep it. <laughs> All right. Uh, the last big franchise name was the Ravens uh, franchise Ma- uh, defensive lineman Matthew Judon. And they're pairing him with newly acquired defensive end Calais Campbell, who they traded a fifth round pick to Jacksonville for, which is a freaking steal. That's a steal. And that defense has got, you couldn't even think like after last year, that defense has gotten even better. I know. They're going to be nasty. All right. So, so we didn't get to everyone on your list, Johnny. We didn't get to everybody important, but but I I think we did. We did as good as job as we can. And we are certainly pushing the limits here uh, on the the length of the podcast. So here here uh, it is boys. We're all, our, our, our fan base of, of six is quarantined. They're going to listen right. to this whole show. Right, we're giving them content, something what to, do. Does, what does something Scott, to do. What does Scott Griswold have to do right now? I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he may be working from home. I, I haven't asked. So, anyways, it was so awesome um, to get together again, guys. Uh, it's been Good to interact. Good far to interact. too long. Yeah, a little bit of human interaction has been yeah. nice. Uh, good to see your smiling faces or uh, Marty's ceiling, uh, which we've been looking at for most of <laughs> the evening. I'm completely nude by now. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So um, a big thanks to anybody who's uh, managed to make it this long. Stay safe out there. And support local business. Support local businesses. Wash your fucking hands uh, for 20 seconds. I, I personally have been using the uh, Backstreet Boys, I Want It That Way, chorus uh, to get myself through 20 seconds when I'm washing my hands. Uh, boys, what are, your, what are your songs of choice when you're uh, washing your hands? Songs of choice? Yeah, you're supposed to, you know, you could do Happy Birthday twice. or I just... I'm Mr. Brightside. <laughs> oh, okay, John. <laughs> There we go. I'm super scared right now. So it's Inagata de Vida. It's a long <laughs> hand wash. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thanks to everybody who's listening. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at Green Mountain Sports. You can find Johnny on Twitter at the Green Mountain Grinder, Green MT Grinder. Please like, subscribe, do all those things, share with your friends. Uh, everybody's got extra time to be shitting away on uh, stuff that doesn't matter. So um, I'm we... out of work. I'm giving dry handies behind that Connor Lodge. I oh, one. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Social distancing. Social distancing. Social distancing. Yeah, he's. He... <laughs> it's like uh, like a touchless car wash. The touchless hand. It's not touchless, baby. Just ask for downshift, Danny. Oh, all right. Well, on that note, <laughs> good to hear from you, boys. Have a good, good week, guys. Yeah, have a good week. All right. All right. See ya. <laughs>